Welcome back to episode 128 of the Draft FC podcast. Welcome back to the Draft FC podcast, the podcast and website dedicated to all things official Draft FPL. My name is Mitch and I'm your host and in this episode we are continuing our Road to Draft Day series with episode 2 out of 3 of our club by club lowdown from the newly promoted sides. So if you haven't already checked out the episode before, please do go back and listen to it. That one is covering Burnley. And on this episode, we're going to be looking at the championship runners-up from last year, another familiar team to us, Sheffield United. Their second place finish last year gave them automatic promotion behind Burnley. But while we all heard about the new style and play and players that Burnley will be bringing back to the Premier League, can we say the same for the Blades? Let's find out. So for ease, I'm going to refer to uh, Sheffield United as Sheffield in this episode. I'm sure you probably won't get confused with Sheffield Wednesday, but uh, yeah, no disrespect to Wednesday fans. So Sheffield finished their campaign with a very decent 91 points, 28 wins, 7 draws and 11 defeats. They scored 73, which was the third most, and conceded 39, which was the second best in the league. The man in charge is Paul Heckingbottom, who FPL players will be familiar with as he did stand in after Chris Wilder was sacked at the end of their most recent Premier League stint. He was replaced that summer, but the less said about that, the better for Blades fans. And come November that year, Heckingbottom had been given the job again, and this time on a permanent basis. Tactically, the formation used doesn't differ much from what we would be familiar with from their most recent Premier League stint, a back three or five with attacking wing backs a double pivot in midfield and then three attackers, generally composed of two tens and a central forward player, or two up front with um, a third in the centre just behind. Everyone loved a knowing nod whenever you heard the phrase overlapping centre-backs, and Heckingbottom has carried that on to the current day. The usual suspect now is Anel Amadozic, who can sneak into the opposition penalty area like Kaiser Sose. Check out his goal against Wrexham in the FA Cup replay for a finish Aguero would be proud of. Otherwise, it's all quite standard from what we might remember, trying to progress the ball quickly, pressing high to win the ball back up the pitch, and the weaknesses are in transition, as they've always been, with centre-backs having to be forced wide to cover wing-backs high and out of position, and the spaces this then creates for the opposition. If you look at their squad, there are a number of recognisable names there. If you think back to their standard eleven from the Premier League a couple of years ago, the only ones missing are McGoldrick at top and Ramsdale in goal, who has obviously continued at the top level. A number of these names, though, are no longer first choice 11 like they used to be, and the 11 from last year, at least, did have some key differences. Similarly to Burnley's situation, though, a couple of the key figures were only there on loan, and it seems unlikely they'll all be back again next year. I'll sum up at the end, but the current personnel and financial situation will make them early favourites for relegation alongside playoff winners Luton. As it stands, the nailed players we should expect to see again next season are Anil Amadozic, who I just mentioned, right-sided centre-back, 24-year-old Bosnian, who will take over from long-standing servant Chris Basham, a marauding goalscorer, towering defender, baller, and someone I'm excited to see make the step up to the next level. In the middle of the back three is John Egan, 30-year-old, very familiar from his time in the Premier League, not much to say there, and will continue to be their rock at the back. The left-sided centre-back I think is still slightly up in the air depending on business, so I'm not including a nailed option here. 
In terms of the wing backs on the right side, it's a combination between uh, the familiar Bulldog and the new face Bogle. Obviously, we are familiar with Bulldog, but the 22-year-old Jaden Bogle is the upcoming replacement and will remain to be seen which one of them gets the nod as the season starts. On the left side, Ender Stevens is the main one we'll be familiar with, but Max Lowe has taken over from him and will continue to start in that position as the season starts. In the centre of midfield is Sander Burge. Now, near the top of the list when it comes to definite quality in this squad, a couple of Premier League clubs tried to buy him in January when Sheffield United was struggling, but thankfully for the Blaze fans, he stayed and was a big part of the reason they earned automatic promotion. Six goals and five assists last year was good coming from deep. Next to him was Ollie Norwood. He made the most appearances for Sheffield last season, but he's not getting any younger and we've already seen his limitations in the Premier League the last time United were relegated. Needs must mean that Sheffield United will probably offer him a new contract for next year and look to recruit in areas of even greater need. Now, the main player being discussed this off-season, if you're talking about Sheffield United, is their number 10, Iliman Ndai. The star man, 14 goals and 9 assists last season, played virtually every game and is the main focus of the fans this summer. He joined back in 2019 and he's now entering the final year of his contract, which means they either have to cash in now, play him this year with the hope of keeping them up and knowing he could then walk for free, or try and offer him an improved deal with some kind of a release clause for next summer. Money touted to be upwards of £30 million for his services, which isn't huge money in 2023, and difficult to turn down when that would virtually double Sheffield United's transfer budget. There have been strong rumours in the last week that he could be eyeing a move to Marseille and some observant fans have also potentially spotted his missus selling off some of their household items on Facebook Marketplace, which is another sign they may not be hanging around. Regardless of which team he plays for, if he's in the Premier League next season, he will be somewhere on our draft boards. The rest of the starting spots will either come from the squad as it currently exists or largely from them having to re-enter the market for loans. Similar to Burnley, at least they've proven themselves to be a good nurturing environment for young talent, and we'll hope the likes of Man City continue to trust them with their up-and-comers. So let's take a look at some of the remaining spots to fill. Starting at the back with the goalkeeper still very much up in the air. The consensus is that Fodderingham is not going to cut it in the Premier League, and this would be a key priority for them this summer. Considering the way the market stands, you would imagine they bring somebody in on loan similar to how they did with Dean Henderson. It's really not beyond the realm of possibility that they even bring Henderson back, but I think he's probably more than likely going to move to Forest. Otherwise, I've not heard much in the way of rumours, so they might be waiting for the current goalkeeper merry-go-round to finish turning, and then they can jump on themselves. As I mentioned, that left centre-back position is not 100% nailed. Robinson played the majority of the season in that spot, but I think this will also be marked as an area of need. Uh, with Robertson then able to maybe act as cover. A left-footed centre-back that can play in a three and step out is hardly a unique item on the shopping list, with half the Premier League likely keeping their eye out for a similar character. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in somebody relatively unknown outside of the scouting networks from mainland Europe for a nominal fee. Robinson has signed a new deal, so will be there at least if they don't find a suitable replacement. Now, Tommy Doyle was another key figure in midfield and played 32 games for them last year on loan from Manchester City. Further loan for next season would seem reasonable and positive for all parties involved. If this happens, add him to the nailed-on list I previously listed, but not really one to worry about for FPL either way. Now, the second loanee from City is James McAtee. 
Time at Sheffield United didn't get off to the best start, but once he became accustomed to the physicality required, he really showed off his talents as the season went on. Eight goals and three assists in the end. A move back to Sheffield United now seems unlikely though, with a number of Premier League clubs interested in signing him for decent money, including fellow newly promoted club Burnley. If City see him as part of their long-term plans, they could opt to loan him again, but the model seems to be to take the money when you can and make sure they have first refusal on a potential buyback should they wish to. His influence will be a miss and a definite area of need if he doesn't come back. If affordable, there will be four or five candidates from the teams going down this year that could do a job there, but again, not much on the rumour mill and very difficult when they have so little money to spend. So that leaves up the top, one of the most important positions to fill for a newly promoted team. Um, Now, if we look at the season before last, McBurney uh, made 28 league appearances, just over a thousand minutes and failed to score a single goal. Compare that to the season just gone. uh, He made 38 appearances, played more than double the minutes and scored 13 goals, putting him second only behind Starman and Dai. Now, 13 goals from 38 appearances is not the type of championship season that translates to success in the Premier League. And it would seem if Sheffield have any real ambition to stay up, this is a major area of concern. They do also have Brewster and Jebison on the books. The fact that their financial issues early this year fell on a missed payment to Liverpool for Brewster continues to baffle me. £23.5 million for him then and now is still bizarre and we'll see how much faith they put into their investment this year. Again, if the money allows, there should be a couple of options from the teams that have departed who could do a job for them. The need for an extra body is even more important, though, when you consider they will at times go 5-3-2 with split out-and-out strikers. And since prepping this episode, they have made a signing, 22-year-old Anis Silimani, Tunisian central midfield player who's already got 29 international caps and has played the majority of his league football in the Danish league. From looking at his position, it would strike me he's a likely replacement for Tommy Doyle, who doesn't seem like he's going to be coming back on loan. So let's have a look at their early fixtures and the all-important draft considerations. So their first six games are Crystal Palace at home on the opening weekend, then away to Forest, Man City at home, Everton at home, Spurs away, and then Newcastle at home. Those fixtures could be better, but could be worse. Um, Crystal Palace at home, then Forest away. And if you throw in Everton at home in the first four, at least gives them the opportunity to make a positive start with the back end of September through to October, producing some much tougher tests. Looking at the game week one fixtures as a whole would suggest that outside the top six clubs, Sheffield United will probably be an attractive clean sheet option with Brighton at home to Luton another obvious choice. I think the draft considerations will be pretty simple ahead of draft day and Dai, uh, the new goalkeeper, whoever that might be, and that's probably about it. If they don't bring in a new forward option, McBurney would be a shout in larger leagues. Um, given the fixtures and in particular thinking about your 11 for game week one, going with someone like Armadozic or another one of their nailed defenders could be a sort of round 14, 15 draft option as well. We'll obviously be delving way deeper into draft strategy as the summer goes on, but a lesson learned over many seasons now is not to forget about your starting 11 for game week one and to use those late sort of 13 round, 14, 15th rounds to grab streaming options you'd usually be wavering in during the season. Overall, I think Sheffield United could be in for a tough ride and the bookies do have them as the second favourites for relegation behind Luton, which I think on paper, as it stands, is understandable. It will ultimately come down to them getting a tune out of some players who are probably past their Premier League sell-by date and also hoping several of the younger players can make the step up. 
the few transfers they are able to bring in this summer will all also have to be right on the money and will be afforded very little time to adjust. So that's it for this episode. Um, As you can probably tell, the vibe is generally a bit less exciting than it was for Burnley. And spoiler alert, that's only going to continue into the next episode as we round off our rundown of the newly promoted teams with uh, a focus on Luton Town. If you're a fan of the podcast, make sure you're subscribed on whichever platform you're listening on so you don't miss out on any future episodes as they drop. As you'll probably see already, they're going to start coming thick and fast as we prepare for our draft days. For serious draft players who want a little bit extra, head to draftfc.co.uk and sign up there where you'll be able to access data you can't find anywhere else. In particular at this time of year is our draft day planner, which not only includes our own full draft rankings of 240 players, but also brings in data from every single draft occurring around the world to give you an average draft position of every single player. So when you combine that with your own expertise, you are well and truly covered for draft day. Elsewhere, give us a follow on Twitter at draft underscore FC. This is probably the easiest way to get hold of us as well, should you need to. Some of the episodes we've got coming up this week will be the conclusion of our newly promoted rundowns with that episode on Luton Town. There'll be a few episodes on general draft day tactics and then the all important position by position uh, ranking rundowns in which I discuss some key picks and positions. One important point to note is that that will not be a total draft ranking only those who have signed up at draftfc.co.uk will have access to those and then the plan is once we've seen a little bit of pre-season and we're able to solidify those rankings a bit more I will do a full 1 to 100 ranking lowdown which will be tucked away on the site for members only so you'll be able to have the rankings open and listen to me ramble through them at your own leisure. So best of luck for all of your ongoing draft preparation and until next time, stay shook.